Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Spadrosian throws to Sandberg and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first, it's over! 27 years of waiting have come to an end! The Giants have won the pennant! All right, welcome back to Thompson to Clark's special weekend edition. And a lot of times when we do these weekend shows, usually having to do with brad's and my vacation schedule we try to bring on our good friend ash day you know he's our he's our favorite guest don't tell anybody else who's been a guest on this show you can keep that secret but ash welcome to the show thanks for being available on a, on a saturday no thank you very much for having me again it's uh, always a pleasure to come back so we're going to talk about, I mean, there's so much negative to talk about with the Giants right now. They just dropped to 500 after last night's loss in which it, it was not really a competitive game, uh, unfortunately. The, though, you know, Thursday night's game was pretty competitive. Uh, maybe, not the, maybe not the 10th inning, but uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll talk about some of that stuff. But I, th- I, I want to talk about the positive right out of the gate here. Which is, and, and if you saw the slate here that, that we use to start this show, Jock Peterson starting in the outfield for the National League uh, in the All-Star game. Uh, Ash, we'll start with you. Uh, obviously, Jock was a great sort of homecoming story. He went to school in the Bay Area, though he played for the Dirty Dodgers, so there was that. <laughs> and I don't know, I, I, I would say... I feel like he's overproduced, but I think some fans may sort of wonder like, oh, wow, like how did Jock make the all-star team? And then when you look at his offensive numbers and you really dig deep on them, he's very deserving. But were you surprised to see that he actually won the vote? Now, I don't even know what this vote is. It used to be only a fan vote. Now there's other stuff involved. Like, do you guys even know what what is involved in the algorithm for this All Star vote anymore? So very lost, no idea. <laughs> yeah. There's like three rounds of it now. I think I don't even know. <laughs> no, I've got no idea how they calculate it now. But yeah, overwhelmingly positive that he made it, and like you said, very deserving. I think the All Star selections and the all-star team and especially the starters it can always come down to like a popularity contest yes if you ask every neutral around the league they would be like oh yeah Juan Soto has to make that team but he's having like a really down year like he's still a superstar and you know may well day have a better career than 
Jock. I mean, maybe he already has. But um, yeah, this year, Jock deserves it, definitely. And maybe he is overperforming a bit. I remember when we, we added him in the off-season and I wrote a piece about how excited it was to have a local boy come into the team and i remember seeing some comments like yeah you won't be this positive when he's hitting 200 <laughs> and i was like oh, okay yeah like i know he's never been an average guy but right. this year, his average has been really good yeah and we've got the pop that we wanted from him um so yeah I, i've i was when he was the it, it seemed very early on the giants knew like if we're going to get a representative deservedly so into the team it's going to be jock and they put all their weight behind get jock in the all-star game and yeah it's, it's brilliant he's he's going to make the team and you know back at dodger stadium i think his reception will be interesting like from the local fans but he did so much good stuff for them so i yeah. don't think he can i don't think they can hold it against him but it's nice that he'll be wearing the orange and black while he's there hey brad if uh, the american yes, league starts a uh, left-handed pitcher do you think kapler tells them to uh, to sit jock <laughs> I, I was just looking this up for you. Um, <laughs> most likely it's going to be uh, Shane McClanahan from the Rays. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of, that's kind of the, the rumor as of right now. And everybody's kind of pushing for him. Cause Rosenthal wants Otani and Kershaw. I read that. Yeah. yeah. I saw Otani that. would be another fantastic choice. Uh, but, but you know, you know how it goes in the all-star game. If Jock Peterson bats, eighth or ninth he's not going to see mcclanahan uh, he's going to see somebody else second third inning fourth inning whatever it is um well third inning I, that's not good math he can only bat in the first <laughs> three innings so <laughs> horrible math uh so so yeah mcclanahan's a left-hander so that would that would be a problem if he was batting in the top three and ended up hitting in the first inning but uh but either way i mean we've seen him had have some success against lefties this season uh and like ash said i mean we're getting a 264 batting average yep. out of out of peterson right now that's i mean you can't ask for more good on good on uh, base too Good on yeah. base. And and so here's the problem, though, with Peterson is I picked him up in fantasy uh, and I had to drop him. And and not many people have him in our fantasy baseball league. And it's a very competitive league because he doesn't really play against left handers. So yeah. you have this guy on your bench that you're like, I want to put him in every day, run him out there. He's got 17 home runs. Uh, but you can't because then you have to have another outfielder that you can put in his place when when he's facing a lefty. So, uh, yeah, you, but, got, but, you, you, you almost know, that, need like yeah. a like a hard wire in, in, into Gabe somehow like, okay, yeah. Are yeah. you going to start him or not? Cause I need a few hours here. Cause I may forget to set my lineup and then I get nothing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Then you're working and you go to set your lineup and it's too late. And you're like, I, I was just looking you're at my stuck. lineup before we started the show and it's Saturday and I'm already too late on two of my guys. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you, uh, uh, this is for both of you. And we'll start with Ash. Do you think the giants get another player onto this roster? I think I'd like to say Rodon will make it. I think Rodon's been, uh, he was maybe a bit slow out the gate and maybe to our expectations, but I think his last month, six weeks have been fantastic. Even in spite of the team's results, not being very good. He has been excellent. I've actually really enjoyed watching him this year. I would hope, and I, I really enjoyed Webb as well, but I think Rodon has maybe that, maybe star power a bit more due to his previous history and his, his experience of dominating in the past when he was in Chicago. Uh, so yeah, I would like to see Rodon make the team as well. I think that'd be good. What do you think, Brad? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm just looking at numbers. Uh, a guy you could have out there is Brevia as a specialist. But when it comes to the all-star game, you're not going to see relievers who aren't closers uh, making it, unfortunately. You're just going to see all the – because, you know, saves are a fantastic number to look at. You can't look at Brevia and go, wow, he's having a great season, but he has no <laughs> saves. Uh, you know, so, uh, holds aren't a sexy thing to look at. So, um, <laughs> you know, so so Webb, Radon, probably Radon because Webb doesn't have the strikeouts. Again, yeah. another sexy mm-hmm. thing to look at is strikeouts. So, so, yeah, I think Ash is right. I think we might see Radon out there. Yeah, I was really looking closely at Webb because I think, like, if you look at this, uh, you pull back a little bit, you know, there was a lot of talk early on about, oh, are we in over our head with with Webb as an ace? You know, after the the terrific end to last season and then the two the playoff starts where he just looked like he was going to be, you know, an ace for many years to come for the Giants. And, you know, he got hit around a little bit. He still gives up the, you know, the one long ball home run uh, a game like against uh, Machado the other day. But his numbers are very good as well. I think you're right that Radon, because Radon has the sexier strikeout numbers. Um, but if like if you look across, like Webb and Radon match up very well. Like, And yeah. maybe Webb gets overlooked a little bit because he's kind of the younger guy. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's a, it's very interesting that the two guys who are on the one year deals for the giants are the ones who probably have the best shot at getting in the all-star game because, and we'll talk about this in in a little bit, you know, if the giants did fall out of the race a little bit, you could imagine that those would be the two guys that, that teams would be calling about are are jock and, and Radon. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I hope to see Carlos get in the game. It'll be fun because, you know, the dude just throws fastballs, essentially. <laughs> it's just good. Yeah. You know, Aaron Judge, let's go. I'm throwing yeah, yeah. 98 around your yeah. letters, and, and let's have a contest. Let's see if you can hit it far, or if you're not going to hit it at all, I think that'll be that'll be I would fun. love, absolutely love to see that. So uh, going back to Webb a little bit, though, what do you guys feel as far as this season? Uh, I think the only real number – that might be a little bit down for him compared to how well he threw last year is uh, strikeouts. Strikeouts are a little bit down for him. Uh, He was averaging nine and a half last year and this year or per per nine, nine and a half per nine. And this year he's down to about seven and a half Uh, walks. He's slightly down, but they're almost the same hits per nine is almost the same home runs per nine, almost the same whip is ridiculously the same. Uh, So he's the same guy, Uh, but you know, it doesn't feel like he's the same guy. Did we like over kind of overdo it last year with, with how good he was, or is it just now it's just kind of like a consistency and he's, you know, and and so when, when, when someone is as consistent as him, you may take him for granted a little bit. Ash, what do you think about Logan Webb's uh, season so far? I wonder, I mean, it's interesting you say like all of his statistics generally show he's basically the same guy as last year. I wonder if the, this year it's the, the team effect that is having that knock-on effect on Webb. Because last year it was like he came in, um, you know, had a rough start to the season, had a little break. Then he came back and he was amazing for like, you know, was it like late May? He just took off. By September, he was the clear ace of the team. He's still the same guy this year, but it's because we haven't got, 
I mean, his win-loss record is quite good this year. It's still positive. Yeah, seven like, and because, three. Because the team aren't necessarily winning around him. Maybe we just there's that that positivity, that dominance that we're like, oh, Webb is this dominant pitcher. Like he is, but he's not maybe getting the results as much. Maybe he's getting more no decisions. He like it's nice that his win-loss record is still so positive in spite of the Giants sucking so badly. Um, <laughs> And yeah, maybe the strikeout thing, like, you know, we're so fixated on strikeouts and like that being the the be all and end all of dominance and him being such a sinkable master, like, and this is it, like, as well, I wonder if the defense problems the team are facing, is that letting him down a bit? So there's all these factors that make us think like he's just not, not the same guy. But like you said, the stats are showing he's basically the same pitcher. Yeah. I still, I still love watching him pitch. I think he's great. And, um, you know, Rodon blows people away with that that high heat, but Webb is still efficient. He's still effective. Um, yeah, long may it continue, really, and just hope the team picks him up and, and gives him that support. Yeah, and to, to that point, I wonder if some of it is last year, it was kind of unexpected. It was maybe mm. a little hopeful, right? We were like, oh, I wonder if he can be... And then all of a sudden, what did he... What was that, like 22 starts in a row where the Giants yeah. did not lose a game when he was yeah. pitching? So that that's something. And now, again, like I said, you know, now it's about consistency. Now it's like, oh, now it's expected. Logan Webb is now expected to go seven and give up two or less because yeah. that's just who he is. But that's but it. Brad, you know, Brad, we've been talking about him a little bit and, and probably not enough on, on our podcast because maybe we do take him for granted a little bit. But uh, thoughts on on Logan uh, for as, as the ace this year? Yeah, you know, a lot of good points, both you guys. I, I don't see anything different. I mean, really, just looking at the numbers, you're kind of just pouring through them. Everything's almost identical, except for the strikeouts. But again, that that's not necessarily a bad thing because mm-hmm. when you when you strike out a lot of batters, uh, your pitch count goes up. You don't go deeper in the games. I mean, look at look at him on uh, what was that Thursday night? He he got to go pretty deep in the game, uh, just because. Um, you know, he only had two strikeouts. What, two strikeouts, I think it was? Um, or am I thinking, was it Wednesday or Thursday? It was Thursday, right? First game against the uh, yeah. Padres. Yeah, there wasn't many strikeouts. Yeah, Yeah. so he only had two strikeouts, but but he, he was able to go eight innings because of that. So I, I don't look at that as necessarily a bad thing. You do, though, when you think about our defense, uh, when you start to think about our defense and you wonder about. But but his FIP is almost identical to what it was last year as well. So so when you look at those numbers, you go, okay, well, you know, he's still doing what he does Uh, last year. Twenty seven starts and his record was only 11 and three. And you're right, Garrett, because the team was picking him up. I think um, in those games, he would he would leave maybe down a run or tied and the team would come back and win. This year, that is just not happening. Um, but in 17 starts uh, this season, he's seven and three. Uh, as a matter of fact, he actually leads the uh, leads the majors in starts uh, this season with 17 so far. I'm sure he's probably tied with like five other pitchers. But uh, but yeah, looking at I mean, he's really on track to just kind of be the same guy he was last year. Uh, he's just uh, snake bitten like Matt Cain the last two seasons. You know, just not getting that big lead from his team. Uh, not pitching up uh, five runs. I mean, uh, you know, if he's up five runs, maybe he gets a little more nasty. Maybe he gets a little, um, a little more adventurous and gets a couple more strikeouts. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, not much different. I, I and and like Ash said, I hope we just kind of see this right out the rest of the season and next season and the season after that. Yeah. I mean, he's just he's pitching so well and he's only twenty five. Um, yeah, I, I I don't see much difference. You know, the one thing I I think, and I'm not sure it, it looks like this checks out, which is. Kapler is allowing him to go a little bit deeper into starts. He's averaging over six innings a, a start this year. And I wonder if some of this is last year, their bullpen was so great, right? The, the bullpen mm-hmm. was so dependable, bet, one of the best bullpens in Giants history. And this year, I don't know if it's quite the opposite, but I know when I watch, I've like almost <laughs> no faith in, in all but a couple of guys. But... I think it comes down to is should uh, would you rather have Logan throw the seventh or would you rather have Tyler uh, Rogers throw the seventh? I'd rather have Logan throw the seventh, you know, just kind of how. Yeah. how, how and last year, I, I don't know if I would have said that necessarily. Yeah. Um, OK, so let's talk about uh, this war discussion. Now, this is uh, I always love to dig into some of Grant's uh, Brisby's stuff because he writes things that I I'm not even thinking about and he figures out because he's got to write, you know, pretty much every day. So he's creating stuff. And he said that the one stat, if, if you kind of want to look at the Giants this year and go, you know, why maybe are, are they not doing as well? He says the stat that you can look at is, is war. And he's talking about offensive war per per player. Do you guys know off the top of your head and you can throw this guess out unless you unless you read the same piece. But who hmm. leads the Giants? In off for for offense in war, I, I would assume Peterson, um, but it's going to be somebody surprising like Tyro Estrada. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I probably actually missaid that. I meant for an offensive player, not just offense included, because war okay. calculates defense as well. But you're right; it's not Jock, mm. and like that would be the easy guess, right? Yeah, for sure. It is the, it is the guy who's hitting like 127 for the month or whatever. Uh Yastrzemski, y- y- the Yasmanian Devils. Yes. And and some of that is because he is actually a really good outfielder and mm-hmm. Jock gives up, you know, all all the all the wins that Jock has in the war for his hitting, he gives them up essentially yeah, yeah. for for the defense. <laughs> so that that was an interesting thing because uh, what Grant also did was he ranked where the 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 Giants leader in WAR for for uh, for the hitting side, and where where they ranked against everybody in, in baseball, and I think I don't, I don't remember, but Yastrzemski was like ninety eighth highest WAR or something like that, and then he 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 whittled it down to all the seasons in which the Giants got you know had good WAR, and it's like Bonds and Mays, like you know the top, <laughs> they finished in you know in first place in the entire league or entire all of baseball in WAR like seven seasons and then so but but it, it is interesting because you know some of the seasons that where their their team leader in war was actually really low by comparison to the league were some of their worst seasons in Giants baseball and that's kind of scary not saying that that's a trend that's going to follow but that leads me to this next question and Ash we'll start with you again which is who do you see who is underperforming who needs to pick it up or who can pick it up so that we can kind of jumpstart this offense a little bit because the guys who were doing it last year ultimately are not doing it this year. 
Yeah, I think there's there's so many contenders for this because by large, like nearly everybody is underperforming except for someone like Jock. My biggest one is probably, and I don't mean to reignite the belt wars, but it's <laughs> it's Brandon Belt. Like, and last last year he was just so when he was on the field he was so good. Uh, you know what was it, twenty nine home runs last year, and you know we get the odd home run from him still. He had one, was it last night? He had two run mm-hmm. shot last night quite yeah. late on. Um, so I just think we're really missing that. And like I said, it's not just him. There's so many underperformers from across the team. But I think we're really missing that spark from the captain. Like he's not really living up to his captain label this year. Um, you know, Crawford not being at that kind of level he was at last year, that hurts too. Yaz, I was re- oh, so optimistic about Yaz at the start of the year. I was like, we're getting 2019, 2020 Yaz back. And like you said, he's just dropped off so much this last month. Like I feel like every time he comes to the plate, he's going to strike out. I have to kind of yeah. like close my eyes a bit. <laughs> it's like watching a scary movie. I get the cushion come up <laughs> over my face. And I was like, oh, he's just swung at another breaking ball at his feet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 he's one of the guys I just love. Like I love watching him in the outfield. He's so easy to root for. He seems like such a nice guy. And then I'm just like, please, please deliver at the plate. And I, I can't, I can't watch sometimes. But yeah, my my biggest contributor I want to perform better is is Belt. Really, um, he's back now. You know, he's he's been healthy the last few weeks. Just need to see it on the field. Get get that that momentum back. All right, Brad. I'll give you the rest of the Giants. So uh, compared to the rest of baseball, Mike Yastrzemski, ninety fourth in the league in WAR. Kurt Casale, and, and that's our leader, right? That's, that's our, our leader. leader. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Kurt Casale, 127th in WAR. Luis Gonzalez, 128. Austin Slater, 135. Tyro, 165. Wilmer, 172. Jock, 200. Brandon Belt, 283. Evan Longoria, 290. Brandon Crawford, 309. And I, I'll let you answer this, Brad, but sort of to piggyback on on what uh, Ash was saying. Like, I'm I'm the biggest Brandon Belt fan, right? Since since day one. Oh, yeah. And I also think, like, dude, you know, when, when are you going to wake up a little bit? And may, maybe there's some some stuff with injuries that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that he's dealing with that we may not know about. It always, whenever he hits a ground ball to second base, it, it doesn't look fun for him to run. <laughs> but, you know, when he needs to, he can turn it on a little bit, I guess. Uh, so same with Crawford though, because Crawford, he he uh, he booked it in. I forget. I think it was in the Arizona series. He was about to ground into a double play, but he legged it out, and and they they got a run. Uh, and I was like, oh, you can move a little bit. What's yeah. going on here? <laughs> Still but, um, but but yeah, like Belt, Longoria, Crawford, those are guys who performed above and beyond last year, who are performing well below this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and we went over the whole, uh, you know, WRC, the weighted runs created plus last week. Um, and, and, and everybody is down across the board. You got a couple guys who were up from last year. Um, Austin Slater, I still think is a kind of our, our unsung MVP of the season so far. I mean, without him, I'm not sure <laughs> as bad as this offense is without him. I don't know where they'd be. I mean, they'd be even worse. The um, inside out King. Sometimes I don't know how he yes. hits the ball the way that he does. Uh, no, but, but like you said too, uh, I think in our, in our, uh, in our text string, he is the true platoon player. Like, yeah, I mean, you, you, you know, 
you got to get him in there in the right situations. But defensively, he's such a stud. Um, you you also kind of need him out there right now too. And we talked about Slater and Yastrzemski. Kind of can't take those guys out of the lineup right now and because of their defense mm-hmm. but, but like ash was saying i mean it's like playing mlb the show oh yaz is up okay here comes a slider away away <laughs> away away all right we got him three pitches gone it's 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 a little frustrating to watch right now um i mean like you were talking about belt too i was watching the game last night and I, I mean lately i've just been when they get to the post game i'm just like okay game's over click i don't yeah. even want i mean what <laughs> yeah. are you gonna how are you gonna sugarcoat this one yeah. i don't even want to know um because i have my own thoughts on it i don't right. need to hear anybody else's uh, you know sugarcoating thoughts on it but uh, uh phlegm and uh kuiper in the post game they said you know that one of the best things that could have come out of last night's game that was great to see was Belt's home run in the ninth inning. And and that made it a six to three ball game. I mean, that that's like your highlight, but if it means he's starting to get on track, he's starting to see the ball better. Uh, then, then great. That, that, that I'll take that as well. Uh, and Crawford actually beat out two double plays and back to back games. So that's also, again, we're looking for the littlest <laughs> things right now, but, but that's also a really good thing to see because, you know, his legs are healthy and if his legs are healthy, his defense is good. Uh, if his legs are under him, his offense is going to get going too. Um, so those, those are your two guys in the offense, uh, belt and Crawford. I know, I know they're old, not as old as me, but they're old. Uh, so, so, so to see them start to kind of turn things on and maybe have a good second half of the season that those are really good bright spots for this team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on the, I guess some of this, you know, we're just looking exclusively at, at offense and at hitters. Yeah. Ash, Ash mentioned it, and we've been talking about it all season. The defense has been pretty poor. Uh, do we focus enough on the bullpen, though? I wonder how much of the bullpen and the defense go hand in hand. Now, some of it is just flat out unlucky. Uh, it, it, I think it was the Arizona series. Tyler Rogers comes in and they hit ground balls to the shortstop that went through because the Giants were shifting heavily against a left-handed hitter. So the shortstop is actually playing uh, behind second base and that leaves the hole open and they just attack the hole like two times. And, you know, the, the, the shifting and everything, it seems like last year, Kapler, everything Kapler did like played perfectly. We're like, oh my gosh, you know, the analytics and the algorithms and the iPads and everything that this that 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 they're putting into this system is playing so perfectly. And then we had the scenario, I think it was uh, Thursday night's game, where uh, they they intentionally walked in the tenth somebody to set up a bunt because in the in their um, in their data, the best way to win that game was to get the lead runner. And so the bunt, and then I think, who was it? Was it Alvarez on the mound? Some, I think some... it was Harlan Garcia. Oh, it's Garcia he, on he, the mound. He, he fields that little tap led bunt, and he turns to third. And you're like, dude, no, you, you're, you're too late. And he, yep. I, that was funny because I had just woken up 
and because it was sort of still going like sometimes i wake up in the morning before i start work and i check my phone i'm going oh i haven't had the final score notification that means they're still playing <laughs> yeah put it on and i was like oh my god like faces uh loaded <laughs> what the hell's happening and then i saw garcia do that move and i was like it's too early in the morning for this and so, the, the, so, so Kapler's explanation was not to say that Garcia did anything wrong. Mm. His explanation was that that was the play. That's what we set up. That's what and they so wanted. Him going to third was what we wanted. It, it's just the bunt wasn't hard enough. Mm. Or like, and yeah. those are some things that you know within that calculation. You're like, okay, these are some variables here. And so what I'm wondering is, in addition to the bullpen and maybe the defense going hand in hand, how much of this is the things that they're calling and the, and the situations that they're setting up. This is like the BABIP for managers, right? Like yeah. this, these things that, that, that Kapler was a hundred percent and the coaches have were a hundred percent last year. There, there's some variability this year and it's just stuff that, you know, we watch and we go, Oh, that was a bad play. But it was them setting something up because of the team that they have, and then ultimately the outcome being negative. Like that's 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 something that um, I find very interesting. But also, it's not anything you can really like analyze right w- without knowing the, the 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 super details of what's going on. Yeah, and and it was kind of a, a, a you know a lost art form the last couple of years. That bunt was fantastic that was an absolutely beautiful but it was perfect and you and, and sometimes you just can't defend against a really good hit a really well-placed bunt uh and, and it just happened you know and and so i got a text from our friend nick martinez and he goes how about that coaching and i'm thinking what what are you gonna do like, I mean, yeah okay you set up that play you're gonna go to third that bunt is is any different than that, and you're getting the out at yeah. third base. Yeah. It just it, it's a it's a one in a thousand play that just you can't do anything about. And, and and if you're Kapler, in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, we this is what we want to happen, and so we're gonna. And they they could have not bunted, right? They could have not bunted, right. and then Kapler would have been, oh, okay, like we guessed wrong or we we set this up wrong. But they did. They did what he wanted, and then they just did yeah. it well. And it was just like a che- like chess move, right? Yeah. So beautiful. I mean, it was it was beautiful. If it's against anybody else, it's even more than beautiful. But it's, it's <laughs> against I, us, so it's just beautiful. Because <laughs> I I always think when when you're the road team, I think that should be your tactic. Like you want to score first. So I was a bit frustrated the Giants didn't bunt when it was their turn. And I know it's getting into a whole nother thing, but I was like, what, especially with, was, I think Lestella was the runner at second, who's not like the speediest guy. So I was like, let's just bunt him over to third. I yeah, told you give Brad. up the one out, but like we get the early lead, like just, just do it. You're the road team. You need that lead. I texted Brad. I said, they're going to have to hit a double for him to score. Like I yeah. hope that they know this. Right. <laughs> and, and so here's the other thing, right. About that. Like they could have bunted him to third but some of that is Lestella hasn't really been on the bases that much uh he's got a bad wheel what are his instincts there if he gets a bad jump then he gets thrown out at third and now it's one out and a runner on first so there's all of those things in that calculation Mm -hmm. but at the same time the way that we look at this is you guys play baseball for a living like just do it like come on like figure it out And the Giants yeah. just have these weird fits on some of these guys. Like, I, am, I was like, oh, 
wondering like man don't they like can they put somebody else in that spot i think for like this is where i think like like you said last year all the kapler coaching moves seemed to pay off and it was amazing Mm -hmm. this year defensively stuff's not working the quality of the players hasn't been there like you know crawford's uh not there at short we haven't had donovan solano who weirdly turned out to be like quite consistently good at defense last year i thought like tyro would be a massive improvement you know it's been a bit hit and miss so with the issues on defense i'm like maybe they need to stop overthinking like maybe don't be too clever i would say just do the basics on that play i know they want that guy at third but why not just take the out and go to first like just don't don't maybe this is the thing for the rest of the season the defense is struggling just do the basics get the yeah. easy outs that could it, be if i could talk to gabe i'd be like gabe here's, here's your here's your email do the basics well so i i i imagine what what their playbook told them was runners on second and third or 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 like let's say you throw the guy at first runners at second and third and one out means they're going to lose the probability that they're going to lose is worse than the probability of them not getting that guy at third base. So yeah. there's, there's different stuff and, and I get it, but yeah, like, you know, to, for, for Brad and I, as you know, when, when we were playing and, you know, I know Brad was mostly an outfielder uh, as he got older, but I'm sure he played some, some infield as, as a kid, like you're taught. Okay. On that play, the third baseman has to make that decision for that pitcher. Mm-hmm. And to say yes or no, you got to go to first. But mm-hmm. I wonder if the, if that play for the Giants in this scenario is kind of like the runner on third and you, you tell the runner on third, no matter what, you go on contact. And sometimes that's kind of like a daredevil play, right? Because you could line into a double play and, and then mm-hmm. and then the whole thing is over. But I wonder if that scenario for them was sort of like, the, the the do or die play it's like nope we got to get this guy at third no matter what or we're going to lose anyways and so thus that was the instinct and and that's maybe why Kapler was was fine with that scenario yeah yeah and when you're fielding off of the mound too you you know the runner you know the runner coming out of the box um so you, you're kind of counting the seconds in your head as you're getting to the ball and you're thinking okay but so by the time he got to the ball i, I in my head i'm going he's just going to pop up and go to i mean I, you know, the way that button was hit, I, I thought he was just going to pop up with the ball and go to first automatically. Because I'm counting in my head, too, as it's happening. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's your play is at first base. When he looked at third, I go, oh, well, that's it. I mean, that's <laughs> <laughs> the end. And as soon as yeah. he looked over and threw it to first, I go, there's, you know, the camera pans over. I go, there's no way that runner is going to be three steps away from first base. Yeah. And sure yeah. enough, he was past first and you're going, ah. But, yeah. You know. Yeah. That's it. All right. Let's take a pause a little bit because... Usually when Brad and I do this show, we got a drink in our hand and, but you know, because we're doing it early, I don't know, Brad, were you drinking some iced coffee or was that chocolate got, milk or yeah. what was it? Oh, there we no. go. <laughs> I, I was like, milk. I, I would have been fine with it with chocolate milk. I'd have been like, all right. No, that's my kids. My kids are on the chocolate milk kick right now. No, that this is uh this is a, uh, uh, I guess it's called a cold brew, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I have been making my own cold brew, but then we went down to Vegas for a week. Um, and we ended up buying 
and, and I'm kind of an environmentalist, so it, it kind of hurts. <laughs> and my wife is too, so it kind of hurts. But we buy like a big plastic jug of cold brew from yeah. Starbucks. Yeah, uh, it's got like ten calories per eight yeah. ounces, and I, you know, it's like a four ounce with four ounces of water and a splash of half and half. And uh, I think I had a little too much because I'm. <laughs> You're, you're amped now. I want to run a marathon right now. Well, we we went super inside baseball with that bunt play to third. Like, so yeah. I, that got me yeah, fired up too. I was like, oh man, I almost felt like I was playing again. And I was like, what would I have done in that scenario? You um, would have thrown to first. So. Yeah, I would have. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, uh, oh, you can see my mug. I, I just had some, uh, some bone broth. I had, I had my coffee in the morning and I was like, if I have another coffee, I might get too fired up, so I had some yeah. some bone broth, which I, we can not, only have one of us fired up. <laughs> <laughs> I like I, I like the bone broth so much. Now, 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 listen. Now, think about this. So, my wife says, "Well, we had done this uh, year, about a year ago. We we did this juice cleanse thing. I don't know if no. either of you guys have done this before, but no. basically, there's like seven pockets of juice and that's what you you know you time it and you drink it during it and then like you don't have any actual food it's just juice for like an entire day and um so she was like i'm never gonna do that again that was so terrible and i was like yeah it was terrible but it's just sort of about willpower more than anything else so yeah. then just the other night she's like i think i'm gonna do that again and i was like but you hated it like you <laughs> really did not like it's, this and it's she's been like, long enough <laughs> she's like i know but i kind of want to think about it. and so i was like let's do a bone broth cleanse like you 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 do the bone broth like maybe three or four times and it's sort of the same thing but that's how much i enjoy the bone broth because it wouldn't even be bad for me because i just love drinking the bone broth, put a little bit of salt in there, a little bit of cayenne pepper. And I like to, to splash a little uh, apple cider vinegar in there. It, it makes yeah. it a little tangy. And I love it. I, 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 drink, I try and drink it every day. I've never heard of bone broth before. My world has just expanded. <laughs> yeah. It's this whole new experience. <laughs> I, so I never heard about it until Garrett either. So I yeah, don't even, so, yeah I've still the, never even seen it. I don't even know what it is. But when I started hearing about it, is a, a diet a dietitian guy or he, he's a trainer but he his his studies are, are in, in diet and stuff mm. and he was talking about bone broth and obviously you you know, you know chicken broth and beef broth and vegetable broth that you could buy in the stores and so he was like yeah you know there's this bone broth stuff but he was saying you know you need to sort of make it on your own and basically what you're doing is you're just grinding up the the chicken bones because there's stuff in the chicken bones as far as uh, it's sort of like, um, have you guys ever, ever, ever used gelatin, mm. like gelatin supposed yeah. to has, you know, some, some stuff that'll give you a little bit of healing, healing, uh, you know, if you're, if you're, if you got a sore body or whatever, it's kind of good to take it. And, but, but bone broth is very similar because of the grinding up the bones and, and stuff. And so a lot of people started drinking it instead of like, as a, I don't know, as like a, I would say like a home remedy or, or something. But yeah, I, I just, I, I enjoy it so much. And sometimes I'll just have it as a sort of a meal replacement. Instead of like having breakfast, I'll just have a, a, a cup of bone broth before, you know, and then, and then have lunch or something. So wow. yeah, I, I dig it a lot. Uh, okay. We'll, we'll get back to, back to the, the baseball grind here. A couple of the things before we get out of here on this Saturday uh thoughts on giants closer camilla duvall now i 
last year we know that he had the unfortunate experience of uh, losing that game five. And you kind of wondered, you know, cause he's such a young dude and he, and he'd only had pitched uh, a, I mean, really he'd only pitched a ball, right? Like before yeah. the, they brought him up to the big club. So he hadn't really seen, you know, really the complexities uh, of what these big league hitters can do compared to just guys. He was probably just blowing fastballs by, but I really felt bad for him the other day in that Arizona game. Because he comes in to clean up some mess, right? Was it Dominic Leone's like throwing pass balls and just walking tons of guys? And so it's like, you know, you give Camilo Duvall a fresh inning. Now he may create his own mess like he did the (laughs) the next night. Um, But the, the scenario of you, you know, he's so young, but he's got this like 102 mile an hour fastball in his back pocket. And he throws it to Dalton Varsho. And it's like, it's, it's, it's not, I, I didn't think it was in a completely bad spot. It was up a little bit. You know, it, it wasn't exactly on the outside corner, but it was leaning towards the outside corner. Dalton Varsho turns on this pitch and just crushes it. And I was just like, man, if I could throw 102 miles an hour and throw the pitch to almost where I wanted to throw it, and this guy could still yank it over the fence. I'd just be like, uh, what can I do? Like, this is like impossible, <laughs> right? And so I really felt bad for, for Camilla Duvall in that moment, having to clean up somebody's mess, which is his job. And then, you know, just going like, okay, I'm just going to throw my best fastball here. And this Varsha, who's a good player, but you wouldn't think that, you know, he's this great fastball hitter. And he just, he just, he just, he killed that thing. But ultimately, if we were to, you know, this is the first half of the season. How would you measure Camilo Duvall's first full season as a closer? Uh, I have, you know, I, I have his baseball reference page up, so I'll sprinkle in some stuff. But just, you know, just thinking about it, Brad, w- would you say that he's been a positive? Would you say that he's been a negative? Or would you say that he's just sort of been, you know, uh, uh, an average closer for the Giants? I would say at this point, an average closer. There is a lot of room to grow. Um, what frustrates me the most about him is whenever he comes in, uh, uh, I, I I always just kind of look at him and I and I just say, attack the strike zone. Yeah. Uh, even with a even with a one run lead, attack the strike zone. Like you just said about Varsho. I mean, if if somebody beats your best pitch they beat your best pitch. But when you're dancing around the strike zone and you're walking this guy and then you're striking this guy out, then you're walking this guy. Now you got two runners on with one out. Now maybe you get a double play or you strike out the next two batters. But, but the problem is I just see there's not a lot of attacking the strike zone. Uh, I want to see that in the first two pitches of an at bat for every batter that he faces going forward. I, I, I mean, you got 102, if they're sitting on 102, there's a very good chance that they're not going to swing and make solid contact on your first pitch that's 102. Uh, maybe three, four pitches, five, six, seven into the at bat, which is what he's allowing batters to see. Um, so by the time you see that seventh or eighth pitch, you know what his slider looks like and you know what his fastball looks like. Yeah. Um, so if you're surprising them with 102, uh, top of the zone, bottom of the zone, whatever it is, in the first pitch, you're stealing a strike. And I'm just not seeing that from him. 
if you did see that, I think we'd be talking about a completely different closer. Instead of an ERA up 3.28, you'd probably look at an ERA of 2.28. Um, and, and his walks, I mean, he's up, he's four walks per nine right now. He was three walks per nine last year. Um, but as soon as he cleans that up, I, I, I think we honestly go from, uh, from just a, an okay closer to a close to elite closer with stri- huge strikeout numbers. What do you think, Ash? I think, I think Doval is suffering from that kind of like, he's taken his lumps for the first time in like his career, like in his MLB career anyway, like. He came in so late last year, like very late. Like, was it like not until like September? We really got like to see him as the proper closer. Yeah, he was was, up and then he would come in and then he had problems with the strike zone and then they'd send him back, you know, then they sent him back down and then he was back up again. And then he flashed what, what we saw near the end of the season. He was really good. And then he was just absolutely dominant. And so he's really only had like success. He's been living on this high for so long and now he's starting to take his lumps finally and maybe maybe the league has adjusted to him a little bit i don't know but and this is it like what brad was saying he needs to attack the strike zone and he just needs to get back to that like he just needs that confidence again maybe um and maybe he's suffering a little bit from what webb is suffering from it's that expectation factor like last year we thought webb was going to be the fifth starter at best he was brilliant now he's the ace. Like, we expect this great thing from him. Doval, like, wasn't even expected to be on the club last year. And then he came in this start of this year, like, oh, yeah, we've got this fireball closer. Like, he's going to be immaculate every inning. When he faces adversity, like, now we're like, oh, this isn't right. And this looks a bit weird. So he's going through that adversity maybe for the first time in his career. I remember there was a game not long ago where I think he got the second out. And he thought it was the third out and he threw his glove on the floor (laughs) and everybody was like, no, dude, you've got one more out to go. And he did it. But I think he's he's just having like, we call it like teething problems. He's just going through that. And it's just, this is it. Like every major leaguer has to go through this at some stage. I still want him in. Like if if I have to pick someone in the bullpen, I want the guy that throws 102. Like I, I yeah. still have confidence in him, but maybe he needs to have confidence in himself and that will come with results. And, it, and the life of a closer is, 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 you know, I don't envy that, that that's pressure. Yeah. If you don't deliver, then it's all on you. And he, he, you know, it will make or break him depending on how it goes. I, I was looking at Duvall's minor league stats and he's, his stats are much better as a major league pitcher than they ever were mm. as a minor league pitcher. And I, 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 don't, I mean, I don't know if he was you know, doing more starting maybe in, in the minors, but um, even when he was at San Jose, uh, you know, he still, he still was uh, three, uh, 3.83 ERA in San Jose. Uh, strikeouts are way up, but he's always been a guy who walks a lot of hitters. When they sent him back down to Sacramento last year, uh, his walks per nine in those, how many innings? 30 innings was a seven, seven walks per nine in, in, in the, in the 30 innings last year. So I kind of wonder if this is, this is who he is. And we're sort of seeing the improvement of that because his big league numbers uh, and some of it is he has to attack more. Uh, his big league numbers are actually a lot better. The other thing I did is I looked at 
because I wanted to know if this was sort of like our expectation with him. Uh, and I look, I want to look at this season's numbers versus Jake McGee's numbers from last year, because last year, you know, I think we were sort of pleasantly surprised with how well uh, Mac cheese pitched for, for the majority of the season. Mm. And the one difference in the two guys is the attacking the strike zone piece that, that Brad mentioned, because uh, Mac cheese 1.5 walks per nine uh, last year, this year, Camilo Duvall four walks per nine. Now Duvall strikes out more people for sure, but uh, Mac cheese even, you know, even gave up less hits per, uh, per nine. Uh, but that whip, you know, that, that the fact that he puts runners on Duvall the way that he does is, is you would theoretically, you would say that that's going to be a problem right now. Uh, should we, you know, if I had, if I thought about it, I would maybe try and pull up uh, some of Brian Wilson's numbers because Brian Wilson liked to get himself in, into danger as well. But yeah, so I, uh, you know, uh, when, when I looked at sort of who he was in the minors and then, then I looked at the comparison w- with Jake McGee, cause my thought was, was very similar, which is that he's just an average closer, but I think because the other arms are not doing their job, he's just thrown into the fire way more than most pitchers. He doesn't really get to start a clean ninth as, as much as, as it feels like he should be doing because, you know, he's their, he's their best guy sometimes to come in with one out and runners on in the eighth inning. And that's how they use him. So I wonder if that's the reason why some of those numbers look the way that they do. Yeah. Okay. Last thing here before we get out of here. And this is a hard conversation because we like the team. We like the guys. The Giants are 500. Now they play tonight uh, in in about three hours against the Padres in in, uh, game three of this series. Already have lost the first two games of the series. And you know, San Diego is not Giants South this year (laughs) as much as it has been in the past. (laughs) They like their ball club, and and I do not Mm -hmm. blame them. That is a fun team. So much so that uh, the announcers... We're, we're kind of dunking on the Giants a little bit. And and I know some of it is just they like their team and some of it is like screw the Giants for, you know, <laughs> sc- beating us so many years. But like um I think it was when 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 uh, Sling and Sammy Long through the through the changeup to Machado, the way that they called that home run was like are you stupid for throwing him that pitch? You know, like that kind of thing. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, a little (laughs) fire there from, (laughs) you know, from the announcers. But, uh, okay, so the discussion is, Mm -hmm. are the Giants going to be buyers or sellers at this deadline? Because of the fact that the wild card is the way that it is this year, the Giants are not very far out of the playoff race. Now, you know, go back a few weeks and they were fine in this playoff race they were you know right you know they were the number two team uh behind san diego in the wild card so do you guys what would it take for the giants to become sellers do you think ash like because i think the deadline is in three weeks so they they've sort of would have to make that decision pretty soon would it you know would it be a continuous losing streak um like, like, where, where do you think they make that decision? Like, oh, we have Jock, we have Radone, they have high value. We need to sell high on these guys. I think it's what you said there. It's that continuous losing streak. Um, I think that's going to be the big alarm if they decide to to sell. Um, 
I think I read or I heard that they haven't won a series since like mid June. That's that's like, you know, that's going back to like what twenty seventeen sort of time, like when you know the the bad years that post championships. Um, after last year, where it felt like they won every day, like yeah, I this know. is quite yeah. a shock to the system. So, I mean, I I I still want them to be buyers, or you know, I mean, we all do, like ideally. <laughs> I think they. I think Farhan and Kapler and and everybody, they saw what the club was in April. I mean, they were a good club in April. Like the, the, this team is is capable of playing winning baseball. They've just decided not to do it since like May. Um, yeah, <laughs> there have been a lot of injuries. I think a lot of people are forgetting just how many how big an issue injuries have been on this team. And like Disco's out now for like it's for the whole year. So we're short one person that we thought was going to be at least the number three, number four guy in the rotation. So they kind of been decimated and no Posey as well. Like it's obviously been such a big factor that everybody has seen straight away. Like no Posey has been huge, but I think if they don't turn it around soon, like, you know, two weeks time, if we're still not winning series, They've got to consider being sellers. Um, like you said, they've got two prime pieces there in Rodon and Jock. And I'm like being British, we're very it's very alien concept when I explain to fans that baseball play baseball teams will just get rid of their best guys <laughs> midway through the year. It's yeah. very alien, like British sports, like that does ne- that never happens. So once you explain why you would do that to get the return, but then like, you know, kind of re-ups your your talent system that's why you do it it makes a bit more sense i really don't want the giants to be in that position because we've already got a pretty good farm club the problem is like a lot of the guys are still in single a like double a at best luciano is in is he in triple a at the moment but he's hurt like he, he was going to be in the futures game but he's hurt and um he's yeah, in anyway. he's in uh, double a double a okay so he said again he's still like you know he's not round the corner he's still got some maturing to do so I don't want us to load up on prospects yet. I want to keep competing, especially after the glory of last year. Like, But I think it's that thing. It's that continuous losing streak. If in two no, weeks we're not winning a series, they've got to consider cutting, cutting with, the, with the guys they can get some returns on. Is Luciano in high A or double A? I, now I forgot. I believe he's in high A. Okay. So he's even further yeah. away from really like right. being the guy we want him to be and, and like guys like Hunter Bishop and stuff like he's still he's still in like he's with the Eugene Emeralds, I think. And yeah, you know, that and Kyle Harrison, he's the the, the stud pitcher. He's you know, he's not necessarily round the corner, it's still a little bit more development to do. So even if we add more prospects, you know, that turning back the clock to to being a competitive team again. You know, we're looking at not next year. We're looking at 2025 or something or, or 2024. Like, that's a scary thought. I don't want that yet. <laughs> so here's a, here's another thing to think about too, uh, Brad, and, and I'll get your thoughts here. So obviously we know Radon has the, the player option. He's going to hit that innings minimum very soon, probably in the next uh, three or four starts. So then he'll, he'll be able to opt out. Uh, Evan Longoria... His number goes down next year. Now he is probably not a $13 million player, so I don't know if any team would would want to pick him up. But Brandon Belt, unrestricted free agent in 2023. Now he also $18 and he's not hitting well, though you you put him in uh, somewhere where there's a short porch. Maybe he's an attractive guy to pump uh, a team that is is on on the cusp. 
Crawford is going to be here in 2023. Alex Wood as well. Like uh, Ash said, DeSclafani is actually uh, signed a three-year deal. Uh, Alex Cobb has, I think he's got an option. Uh, I think he may have, actually, I'm not exactly sure how his, oh, the, so so also Longoria's option for next year is a club option. And and so is Alex Cobb's for 2024. But yeah, it's Jock. Um, it's uh, it's Radon. Um, but there are also guys who, I don't know, I don't know if Brandon Belt would be an attractive guy knowing that you only have to pick up whatever is the you know the the last part of his contract if they trade and i don't i don't know if farhan would would actually trade him if he, if he does then that shows that they probably didn't have any plans for him next year uh but yeah so it, it's kind of interesting that, that they would have a couple of options here with guys who could be attractive so brad same question as ash what is it going to take for the giants to become sellers at the deadline well, there, let's see. We got 21 games, including tonight, until the trade deadline. Almost half of those are against the Brewers and the Dodgers. Um, so, so it's a really th- this is the telltale stretch right here. I think the Giants will know uh, the end of July, or yeah, the, right at the end of July, because the trade deadline this year is August second. Um, and I, and I think that might've been because of the lockout. So it was mm-hmm. pushed a couple of days. Usually it's July 31st. Um, so, you know, Farhan has always preached. We're going to be a team that will compete in September. Um, is that kind of blown out of the water this year? I don't necessarily think so. I think the giants, if they're a 500 ball club at the end of July, I think they hang on to those guys and I think they ride them out. And, and, and the, it's not like they have anybody like Ash was just talking about. There's nobody really on the cusp other than Ramos. Who's, who's ready to come up. VR is already here. Uh, he, he, he's probably not here to stay. Uh, Cause once everybody's healthy, you got Luis Gonzalez coming back pretty soon. Hopefully tonight, hopefully tonight. Yeah. Um, you know, he played in Sacramento last night it is not too far to get to San Diego. So <laughs> get, get him on down there. We need some offense. Uh, you know, they are going to be losing a lot of guys next year. They're going to have a lot of money to spend next year, especially if Rodon does opt out. Um, Giants have done it before where a trade deadline has passed and, and a couple guys they did not trade ended up just becoming free agents at the end of the season. Um, what can you get for Radon at this point? Uh, you know, I don't know. He's got a huge contract. He he is uh, going to be worth eleven million for whoever whoever it is at the end of the uh, you know uh, the rest of the season. But the Giants are a team also that can afford to eat that eleven million to get better prospects in return. Uh, Jock Peterson is uh, very cheap. Um, all considered, you know, pretty much what he's done this season. Uh, what can he return you? Um, as a pretty much, uh, you know, verse right-handed pitcher specialist uh, at this point of his career, not sure a whole lot. So do the Giants keep those two guys and, and keep, you know, a little bit more at the gate uh, for what those guys are worth? I don't It is so tricky right now because they're, they're just above 500. They're still fighting for that last wild card spot. Um they still, like we talked about last week, they still haven't put the nine-man lineup out on the field that they've wanted to since the beginning of the season because so many injuries and so many guys off to slow starts because of the injuries. 
Um, so basically, I didn't answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> so so but you did say something that I think is very meaningful to this conversation, which is they if they basically say we are punting and we're selling off Radon, we're selling off Jock, how many people are going to be coming to these games? Yeah, the, right? the numbers are already low as it is. And I think the management probably sees that and says, you know what, we can bring up Luis Gonzalez to stay. We can go ahead and, and bring up Ramos and maybe cut ties with La Stella. Um, you, you know, and uh, then you're adding an outfielder, subtracting, subtracting an infielder. But you know what I mean? That, that, they figure out ways to make things work. Um, and start kind of just cutting loose some of the guys who are dead weight at this point. Um, it, you know, you got to keep you got to keep the little attendance that you have right now. I, I shouldn't say little; it, it is lower than it has been the last few years. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, you got to keep that. You got to keep what you got coming in at this point. Yeah, so I, I think that's a big piece that they they are also going to be to be thinking highly about. And and you know, for someone like me. I I will go see them when they're good or when they're bad. And when they're bad, yeah. the tickets are cheaper <laughs> in the secondary yeah. market. Mm-hmm. Um so so yeah, I, I've been to I've been to many games where the Giants were not good and sitting in really good seats. So um, And you're also gonna go all the way to Arizona to watch them. And yeah, and I'll see them in Arizona <laughs> when I'll be out there in a in a couple weeks. The yeah, I mean that's uh that's an interesting place to watch baseball for sure. It's like an indoor, like, like warehouse, when they, right? It's like yeah, if it's almost yeah. like playing like arena baseball in a sense, yeah. in some weird way. But I, I think it's cool because obviously you have to keep the temperature at, at a good place. No one's going to love, you know, being there and, and it's just being hot as hell. Obviously, when the, yeah. when the roof is, is shut, but. Um, yeah, that, that's an interesting place. I dug it the first time, but I didn't see the Giants. I, this is Diamondbacks Rocky, so I'll be fired up to see the Giants. And I'm crossing my fingers that Mad Bum pitches because I would yeah. love to see him throw a That'd be cool. Yeah. All right. So thank you, Ash. Uh, why don't we we'll pop this up again, but definitely tell people where to find you and follow you and read you and listen to you and all that good stuff. Yeah, find me on Twitter at AshDay29. Um, all my writing, podcasting, anything I'm doing, baseball-related or anything at all, is, is all on there. So check me out on the, on the Twitter. All right. Uh, and, and Brad, you and I are going to take some, uh, you know, we're going to be out. You're going to be out next week. So this is our show for next week. We won't have a show next week. I'm going to be out the following two weeks. Uh, but we'll see what we can do. I will have a microphone with me. May not do both weeks. We may take a dark week, but I will try to do uh, a show. I'll try to be available, and, and we'll do something possibly from Arizona because we don't want to go dark for two weeks. That's uh, Yeah, that's and the week fun. I get back and that you're gone is All-Star Week, so yeah. who knows? I mean, yeah. not a whole lot to talk about at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, okay, cool. Thanks, Ash, for for jumping on with us again, uh, and uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll do this again sometime, I'm sure. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I think uh, it, it's it's always fun to get your perspective because of how you follow the team. Yeah, brilliant. I love coming on. All right. So for our guest, Ash, for Brad, I am Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Peace. <laughs>